hello everyone and welcome again to another episode of M365 Voice. My name is Mike Marani. I'm Sarah Hazi. And I'm Antonio Maya. And uh, today marks the 100th episode of our podcast. And with that, we wanted to invite some special guests. They have been with us before um, as special guests and they want us, they want them to celebrate with them the uh, this special occasion is actually a big milestone for us. Uh, so welcome, everyone, if you want to introduce yourselves. Wonderful. I'll go ahead and go first. I am Kara Wanigatimur. I run the Microsoft 365 Customer Advocacy Group in engineering. So happy to be here celebrating this with all of you. I'll go next. Hi, my name is Heidi Jordan, and I am a senior modern workplace consultant with Avanade. So I have been around this community for gosh, 12 or 13 years, and all these people are my idols. <laughs> I can't stress that enough. Uh, this show has been amazing, and I'm so happy to be a part of it. So thanks for having me, guys. And I'll end our intros by saying congratulations. Happy 100th episode. I'm so fascinated and excited to help you mark the occasion. Uh, and I am Mark Cashman. I'm a senior product manager at Microsoft. I look across a lot of things, OneDrive, SharePoint, and I Hope to get to be in the mix of community and and all the things that you and a lot of everybody in the community that does. So thanks for having me. Thank you. And uh, Carwana, you just got a new position. You got promoted. Would love to <laughs> hear did. about that. I did. I don't know that anybody cares about that, but um, you know this community. What I'll say is this: this community is responsible for every shred of my career success. Um, whether it was starting organizing SharePoint Saturdays, you know, a decade ago now, or being able to meet people to really learn from. Um, and of course, you know, I have an amazing team of people who are so dedicated to the community. They understand it um, all the way from community managers to technical architect architects who really work across Microsoft 365. We're big proponents of the better together story uh, because that's how customers experience things, right? Sometimes in Microsoft, we all look at our individual thing, but for us, it's all about the better together and taking a people first approach. So yes, the hard work has paid off. I have the privilege of leading this broader remit for Microsoft 365 all up. I was in Teams engineering. Um, I'm moving over to the OneDrive SharePoint team, but Adam Harmitz, who really does a lot of work across the suite and um, it's a great opportunity to focus on content like adoption.microsoft.com and community and events and really making sure people can be enabled with all this. It's it's my dream job. I, I just, I'm kind of shocked. I haven't really announced it yet. So um, you get to, you get the scoop on your hundredth episode. <laughs> I haven't mm -hmm. updated my LinkedIn yet. So you're really ahead <laughs> of the curve. We have really nailed it. Uh, it's it's so exciting. Congratulations, Caruana. Thank you. Thank you so much. I love what I do, and I get to do it with awesome people like the folks here, right? So it's a good thing. It's a wonderful thing. So I wanted to ask, so all of you are here. You've been on previous episodes of the show. Caruana, you are actually on the very first episode of the M365 Voice. Um, way before preceded me even joining the podcast, I wanted to just ask if any of you hopefully can maybe share, um, you know, a memory or something from previous episodes that you've done, because uh, I remember watching the episode with you, Caruana, and Mark and Heidi, I remember we just had a really good dialogue, so. 
Mark, yeah, Heidi, I, why don't you share? Yeah, I was just going to share, you know, I I am also in the podcast realm and it was a breath of fresh air to be a guest versus being a host. Mm-hmm. And uh, a the obvious, you were all very gracious hosts and we had a really nice conversation. I, I can't remember exactly all the, the specifics that we talked about. But you were very welcoming. You know, I know the role of the host is to keep the conversation moving and give breadth to both your ideas, my ideas, collectively, you know, the ideas that are out in the space. And I just remember it being a really easy conversation. I It, it helps because I've known you all for some time or a long time. Um, I know the specialty that you bring to the community. So there's the rapport. I think we're both collectively the four of us at the time, uh, you know, do a lot of things both outbound and inbound. And there's a lot of care, you know, the sharing is caring, uh, certainly was felt through the whole episode. And I know that I think we also set the tone of it's okay to ask hard questions. You know, we're not here to make this an easy conversation for Mark. And if I remember correctly, there are a few that, you know, kind of have to put my PM hat on, PMM hat on, I work for Microsoft hat on. But at the same time, know that it was a safe space, hopefully to be interesting and sharing. But at the same time, you weren't trying to clobber me. And if you were, you know, that's part of my job anyway. I I Uh, think we took our best shot because I think um, we actually um, tried out with you, Mark, a brand new model that we had for having guests where we called it a round robin, which is really like a rapid fire asking you 72 questions in 20 minutes with um, Antonio and Mike and I saying, I have a 14 part question. I'm gonna ask all 14 parts and then I want succinct answers before someone else interrupts. And you rolled with it very well, hey. Mike. I remember you're like, this is okay with me. That's right, I, I I like it, I think even better. If there's a purpose and you've got lots of things or a few things to get through, uh, again, the role of the guest, I sometimes think is the easiest role. It's like, hey, you had to do all the heavy lifting. I just got to show up and hopefully know what I know and you know be interesting. How about for you, Heidi? Because I remember when we had you on, we did similar. We asked you a lot of questions. <laughs> yes. I think that my um, episode here, it, it kind of got started how I got started in my journey as a MVP and a speaker. Because I started like finding, you know, I've known you guys forever, but I started on Twitter. I would see the episodes you'd post and I would start commenting these little things about the episode after I listened to it, you know, and then I would submit it a question because you had like a question box or whatever. And then you contacted me that we're going to answer your question on the show. It's like, oh. <laughs> yes, I got my call out. And then it was, do you, if you approach, do you want to be on this episode? And that was actually, you were the first people to announce my MVP award too That's on right. the show. So that was really fun. Um, but yeah, I, I think that we had a conversation about Power Platform and um, I don't know, it's just been really fun. I love doing these things. And I think that you get that same high that you do with speaking, doing these podcasts and just bringing people together. So I don't know. It's been really fun, and I'm glad to be here again. And I think collectively, we all get to claim second-time caller, long-time listener. Yes, exactly. Oh. <laughs> I might be first-time sure. caller, long-time listener, but uh, but yeah, you know, I think that I think that you've all hit on something that's really important, which is the conversation, the rapport. I think the value of these things that when they're community-produced and not, you know, from Microsoft, is that there's a Uh, an element of relaxation and familiarity. Yes, it comes because we do actually in real life know each other, but also I find it's just kind of the way that community people roll. We're pretty warm and pretty open and pretty okay with tough questions and, and respecting each other's different opinions. I mean, I really find such good 
behavior actually in the community when it comes to those differing opinions and hard questions. I feel like, you know, because sometimes, yeah, you do have to put your Microsoft hat on and, and give the answer. Um, I probably walk that pretty fine or maybe wide line of Carowana's opinion versus the Microsoft opinion often. Um, but but I just I feel like it's a safe space. And I think that comes across. And I always think it's an honor and a privilege for somebody to actually want to listen to me talk about anything. And I'm not kidding. Right. I mean, I think it's it's so cool that I know something enough that somebody would want to include me in a podcast. Right. Like, I, I just think that's really lovely. So I will go out of my way to participate and, you know, whatever. Like, I think we met on a couch at Ignite in between my yeah. nine sessions or something. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Like it was like I was squeezing it in. But I really try to prioritize supporting the community because I, you know, again, I believe that the community is such a huge part of my career success and my personal success, right? I have a lot of friends out here, right? And so, you know, I just love to see them succeed. So, yeah, I I really think that this is an awesome show and I'm just happy to be a part of it. Thank you. And we really, really appreciate the time and effort all of you put in towards the community as well. Like everyone has a day job. We have a lot of things going on, but we always find the time to be either at the conferences or having your own podcast or your blog posts or attending and speaking at multiple conferences. It's been really busy spring with a lot of conferences. So we really, really appreciate you being here as well and sharing the knowledge with the community. So it's always welcomed. Yeah, we always. love having you all here and um, I didn't watch this episode, the, the that first episode we did with you, Caruana. I did not rewatch it before this, but I clearly remember when we sat on that couch and we talked about a few hard topics. And I remember, um, you know, the kind of keying off of your comment, Mark, about sharing is caring. One of the topics that I remember you brought up, Caruana, with us was about um, gatekeeping and not being gatekeepers of information to the community and really reinforcing the point of sharing is caring. I, I, that stuck with me the last three years that because I never thought of it in that context of, oh, yeah, when we're not sharing content, we're just kind of keeping the information ourselves. We are kind of being gatekeepers. And that's it's just not a not a nice way to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, so that, that stuck with me that point. More, more of just a statement than a question, but we love having you all here. Um, well, I do I think want- it's important. I, I, will, I will just say one thing. I always said that to, to drive collaboration, you kind of need to be a collaborative person. To yeah. me, being a collaborative person is about being open. Yeah. And sometimes that's the antithesis of stuff we do here at Microsoft. I know it feels like that sometimes to folks. Um, but oftentimes we're just hiding the sausage making from everyone, meaning that we don't actually have it all together yet. So we're saving you from the chaos. It's not that we are keeping things back. Right. But um, I do think it's a hallmark of our community is that we do share a, a lot, it, yeah. including <laughs> our failures, quote unquote, or, or learning opportunities. <laughs> I think we call those lessons learned. Yes, exactly. Right. Lessons learned. Yes. And as you said, Caruana, when we have guests on, um, you know, we can have differing opinions and we always do it so constructively where things get more entertaining is when um, generally, although Heidi's been on one of these episodes with us where we kind of debated certain topics, um, but generally when it's just Antonio and Mike and I, things get a little bit more like opinionated because um, I don't know if you're aware, but part of my job here is for Mike to disagree with me about almost <laughs> That's everything. That's what makes it fun. 
I did not know that. I, do, I don't think I was tracking that part. No. Oh, no. So I wanted to bring up Mike and Antonio because I thought it would be really productive. And Heidi's going to remember this because she was actually on an episode with us about this. Um, <laughs> I, I count top three areas that we have interesting debates on uh, and that we don't agree. Um, and the first one is your inbox, Mike. And, and and what you choose to do with it and how you choose to manage it. And I know Heidi's with me on this one. I mm-hmm. I, I love Microsoft Search. So my inbox is like 45,000 items in it. And um, but it does it barely has any zero unread, but I keep 95% of my emails in my inbox. Uh, and I use Microsoft Search every day, all the time to find emails, mm-hmm. and it has not failed me yet. Amen. I have 65,000 emails in my inbox and probably 20% are unread and I should probably just delete. Every quarter I go through and delete the ones that I know are spam. Yep, 100%. I don't understand spending any time on a zero inbox. That makes zero sense to me. I, I I think I would have to fall where maybe Sarah and I align here, not because I'm a huge advocate of inbox zero, it just happens to be how I process if there's something in my inbox. It's usually something to do, either reply back or, you know, a reminder to take action or fill out this form or something. And I like to just not see it anymore. So same as you might use Microsoft Search, my tool that connects with my inbox is Microsoft To Do. Okay. Because I'll flag something. I don't keep it in my inbox, but I put it somewhere. And I only have four or five areas where the other buckets live. So the inbox is some form of communication. I either delete it or I flag it or I just reply to it and put it somewhere. That doesn't mean I, I live absolutely love email. everything about that answer, so. Mark. Um, and I'm going to like that I'm answer gonna, too. Yeah, but I, I wonder, can I just ask a question? Is email your primary mode of communication? Okay. No, nope, therein nope. lies I, the difference. I, I think it's important. I, I don't think I uh, balance towards teams as much as you. But I also balance that, yes, there are Teams chats. Now there are Viva Engage posts, storylines that I yep. either just review. But what's interesting is some of those equate to an email in my inbox that calls yes. my attention to them. And sometimes it's the new thing for me to get used to is if something came as a Viva Engage story that like we all know Dan Holm, he posts a lot of stories internally. And I'll see it in email. I'll view it in Engage. Or if I viewed it in Engage, I can delete the email. Like, I don't need to keep both. Right. But, you know, that volume and notifications, those all balance out. You're right. It's not just the inbox. But uh, inbox zero still is is an approach for me. Yeah, I think, I think I'm in the minority here. I'm inbox 300. So <laughs> if I, Mike and Sarah know this, if I, I keep my inbox somewhere between two and 400 items, and if I'm in that range, I'm good. I know I'm managing everything well. I'm on top of things. If I get above 400, I start to get a little stressed and that I'm missing stuff. And if I'm under 200, then, you know, the world is is amazing and I got tons of time on my hands. And I flag every single email with a category and I've got categories I've always used. And then I move them into folders when I'm done with them. But I also use tasks and to do for really important tasks I have to do. I should totally do that. But, you know, I get, I don't know how many emails y'all get a day. I get between Lots. 500 and 1,000 emails a day. Not that many. 
I can't. <laughs> I, I had to surrender. I can't keep up, and I can't keep up with that and teams at the same time. So wow. yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm Great. betting that Heidi has created some Power Automate special yeah. sauce that puts it in 10 <laughs> help, places. Help me. Help, help me. <laughs> I was going to say that I just work in client inboxes, and then at the end of the project, they go away. So then it's inbox zero again. Oh, <laughs> Start that's over. Funny, you know? yeah. that, that's and my new favorite not, thing. Not to push this conversation too long, no. but in the scenario where you've been out of office for a week or longer, and you come back to whatever your inbox looks like, what acts, what action do you take? delete all review delete you know take your same approach and just catch up or like carolina said surrender and move on i catch up i catch same. up safe I, nope. I, I do scan and i scan my email and i do have alerts i use power automate to alert me if jeff teeper sends me an email i'm getting a text right <laughs> because i only look at my email every other day anyway so I don't want the important folks to wait because that is detrimental. So I have a flow that does that. But if I'm if that. I'm gone, I definitely scan them, and then I, I love that. Them. And you can get a text. You can send yourself something in your yeah. self chat in Microsoft Teams. Yep. Mike has a Power Automate workflow that when I send him something, it auto deletes. So that's a different <laughs> strategy. <laughs> I think my, my yeah, I know some people who might want that for me, but uh, I'm not telling them that you can do that. <laughs> So that that leads us to a bit talk with talking about employee experiences and with M365 uh, conference happened a month ago and Microsoft built a lot of announcements about on the teams Microsoft teams about the the Viva products the the SharePoint uh, anything that we want to highlight around that that we want to just push that message again to our audience. Well. You know I have too, right, Mark? You're, I'm probably sorry. I saw you. No. I'm just going to say really quickly. I know that we are talking a lot about uh, modern work and specifically Microsoft 365 Copilot, but I want to really land with people that it's all about fun with fundamentals. If you want to get the most out of Microsoft 365 Copilot, you have to have a healthy tenant to do so. You have to go through and check your permissions. You have to prepare for semantic indexing with your documents in the cloud. Please remember OneDrive is for me and SharePoint is for we. So take those team documents and keep them on the SharePoint, not in your OneDrive. Yes, I'm talking to you, Microsoft employees. Um, you know, it's really important that we not forget the fundamentals for the bright, shiny objects, because we're going to keep delivering bright, shiny objects. That's our business. But I, I really think it's important not to forget these basics. Great governance, right? Uh, frictionless governance. I did a whole webinar on that. It's, these things are going to become even more important with the advent of the Viva modules, co-pilot experiences across the stack, and everything else that's going to come in the next year. I feel yeah, like I, I should hold up an applause sign. Everything <laughs> about that I loved. <laughs> yeah, I, I know one of the things that we went back and forth on how much to emphasize with some of the announcements, and I think it's not just OneDrive SharePoint announcements, with Copilot, with a lot of what the Viva team is doing, so much of it builds on existing technology. So to Caruana's point, you've already invested in this new technology. You just need to now take advantage of it. And there may be some new capabilities, but there's also some of the baseline, you know, the more that you can do within a tenant, or the more that you can encourage people to tag better or have automated processes or, you know, just better rigor around how you manage in and out. Um, 
it then gives that headroom to go, well, what is this new feature? Not what do I need to do to implement and and you know control this entire new environment? It's not that. But sometimes I think people see a new app or a new component and immediately from an IT perspective, we got to tamp that down because we can't use it or it's going to, you know, create more sprawl or create more, you know, privacy concern, whatever might be their kind of alarmist reaction to it, which is normal. And we know that that is common. Like uh, I know with Copilot, it sort of reopened the conversation around uh, uh, the way that people access content and who has access to it. Same as when we introduced Delve, the Microsoft Graph, anything exactly. that builds off of Graph. The same answer is now for Copilot. It doesn't change any access. The authentication is still the same. You may, you know, get a little bit of a of an awareness of things that aren't quite managed properly, but that would have been a good thing as the outcome, uh, if you ask me. So sometimes just resetting the uh, the playfield in terms of we're not ripping and replacing. It's additive, even if it's a big, shiny new object. Yeah. Well I can, said, Mark. I, yeah, I say I, I am the one that's working in the, I consider myself working in the trenches these days. You know, we're doing InfoPath remediation. So we're, we're building out oh. power apps right now. And like, I, I love it. It's my bread and butter. But I really <laughs> see the value of the co-pilot with that in particular. You know, we're working with users that are used to using InfoPath and going to power apps. So, and I can, I'm only one person and I can only do so much to help them. You know, so we're doing trainings, office hours and all these things. But I really think that co-pilot can cover about 80% of those things that they're trying to do. So I'm really excited to see how that's going to bring value into these I, transformations. I will be very interested to see how you frame that because I think a lot of people will ask, I've been doing it this way. Maybe it's an InfoPath form. How do I convert it or what do I do differently? And that would be mm -hmm. a nice, you know, I think of it as like a decision matrix. If not InfoPath, mm -hmm. what? Yep. Um, yep. And it's nice to hear, you know, your voice, you know, a trusted voice say there's a path forward and it might even be even easier than it was in the past. Mm -hmm. And I think that I, I tell everyone I'm a, a SharePoint girl living in a power platform world, you know, because my SharePoint <laughs> background is really helping me with this project, too, because yeah. when they choose to use that as a data source, there's so many things that are still reliant on that. So you still need to know some of those. SharePoint's not legacy, but you still need to know some of those older systems that and how everything works in the background to use some of these, this new technology. You know, that's my claim to fame in the Teams team. I'm the person in the team. Jeff used to say I was the SharePoint person in the Teams team because I knew SharePoint and the and the back end or the, the file storage content location in Teams is SharePoint. And there's still a lot of people who don't know that. But because I did, you know, there were so many other things that you can do once that document is in the team and actually stored in SharePoint. And they were like, mm -hmm. wow, didn't know it did that. <laughs> well, yeah, it does that, right? So, you know, SharePoint is so powerful. I still see it as one of the most powerful things, certainly I've ever got a chance to put my hands on and and now. Uh, enabling it with Copilot is wow, is pretty amazing. And Antonio, so one of the things that we do a lot is we talk a lot about security and compliance features and a lot about Microsoft syntax. And um, it's amazing when you think about SharePoint features uh, and that I talk to a lot of people about content types, not a new SharePoint feature. We've been living content types for a long time, but if you don't understand them, if you've not had to embrace content types, if you, you want to use syntax and build models, hey, guess what? Content types. Everything that we have talked about for years and years is so new again. Don't you think, Antonio, with all of those Absolutely. new features? 
Absolutely. You know, the, the term store has gotten a lot of life bre breathed into it from syntax as well, um, just like content types. Um, yeah, there's a lot of these features that have been around for a long time. Like Caruana, you were saying the store file storage for Teams is in SharePoint. We still teach people that even like exactly. this week, teaching yes. people that that's the back end <laughs> and you can do all these things. And, um, you know, Sarah, to your point, Syntax has brought a lot of that back to light. Um, and it gives us the opportunity to just, you know, breathe new life into these features. Microsoft is evolving them, adding more capabilities to it. Like the managed metadata service didn't get a lot of love for a number of years, and now it is with Syntax. So, yeah, I think those are pretty significant. Um, with yeah. Copilot, I did have a question around that because, you know, we, where I work, we're a risk management firm at our heart. So we've gotten a lot of messages lately internally about um, preparing for these these chat GPT-like solutions, Copilot being part of that, right? You know, asking us to be cautious around what information we actually share in um, a, a, a Copilot-like solution or a chat GPT solution, because um, we deal with a lot of client information. So, you know, that kind of reminds me, I think it was yesterday or two days ago, there was a new blog that Microsoft put out around preparing for Copilot. Yes. And Kerwan, I think you answered some of this already, but when you think about Copilot coming, what do you think are the kind of the most significant thing that, that organizations need to do to prepare for it? Because everybody is interested in it and everybody can't wait for it to get here. So maybe yes. what are some of the kind of mo the most important thing you do to prepare for it? Well, I think the most important thing is to stay close to our messaging around it. We did just yesterday provision our public M365 Copilot blog. And the very first article there is about technical readiness for Copilot, but more will be coming, right? And that'll be your end point to get that information. But I think it's really important to point out that other chat GPT-like solutions are nothing like Copilot. Yeah. in the sense that ours is built from the ground up with that respect for the tenant boundary. We do not use customer data to train our models in any way, shape or form. Um, trust is built in privacy and compliance because it is using the graph, but it's also not remembering. It's a little, um, you know, it's it, it, when you put in a prompt and it turns back to you, that, that turn is what it's called, the turnaround. When that happens, that motion happens, and then you close that instance, all that is gone. It doesn't remember your prompt. It doesn't remember what you told it. It doesn't remember the document it scanned to answer your question. It only can see the documents uh, that you actually have permissions to, right, based on those permissions across the Microsoft 365 tenant. Um, and so it's really respecting the data and privacy uh, configuration that you already have. Um, and our instances of those large language models are in separate hardware, separate places. Right? These things don't touch. So I, I, I really want people to understand that they shouldn't compare what we have built in Copilot with other solutions that we don't know where the data is going or what's happening. So, you know, really important distinction there. Um, the large language models, the Microsoft 365 apps, um, and the graph are basically the three components of our co-pilot models. Um, and they definitely are respecting people's privacy. So um, the other thing is, you know, I was just in a meeting the other day, and I'll, I'll make this brief. I was just in a meeting the other day reviewing the responses that people submitted to us via feedback. 
So we don't remember what people are doing, but if somebody submits it to us as an example of something good or something bad, then we review that just like all other product feedback. And there were some responses that weren't up to snuff, right? And so we're continuing to tune those responses to make sure that they're appropriate, polite, business relevant, and as accurate as possible. But the other thing I would say is whatever product you're using in this age of AI, you have to validate it, right? We have to educate our users to read these things, the responses, and make sure that they're accurate and business relevant, right? And so I do think there's going to be a large um, aspect of end user education about how and when to use these things. Um, which is why my team is building a co-pilot center of excellence that will become available in August um, that will integrate all of that training material and, and best practices and everything. I, so I believe that's called an airport. Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> but then, boom. <laughs> oh, thank you. That was a really long answer. And I'm sorry for being long-winded there. but It's going to give us things to talk about for the next three years on the podcast, <laughs> Caruana, because it really is then the, and you use the term, Frictionless governance, and I yes. saw you do the keynote on it last week, right? Um, but it really is around how do we guide organizations, whether they're our clients, Heidi and Antonio and Mike, or companies that we natively work for, into thinking about this in a way that is compliant, secure, but also follows appropriate acumen. I know one of the most fascinating things that I've talked with a lot of other customers about is when we think about things like Viva Engage, and we think about a co-pilot integration, right? Um, it's one thing for Copilot to suggest, here's ideas on stories, and maybe it can help Sarah get you started with something, but then you still need to be able to, and companies want to make sure that people are adding their own texture on top of that, yeah. that they're adding their own pieces to it. And I think that's really an important thing about our voices that we provide in the community and in our companies and with our clients. One, one thing I wanted to add that just might be a, a kind of a, a ratio way of thinking about what is Copilot, and if this helps, hopefully. The same as Bing or Google search is for the internet, and it is what it is, and people understand how it works and what content it can pull in. It is not Microsoft search. When I search through Microsoft, that's my intranet. I think the same is a, uh, at least a good thought model of if I know what chat GPT is, whatever version four, three, five, five, whatever the next thing is, that's my internet way of having a writing assistant or, a, you know, a number of things that you can do to write code and all that stuff. But that is not the same thing as what we use for Copilot. It is intranet and it's within your tenant, like Caruana was saying. So there may be similarities, but a lot of times when people understand, oh, it's kind of like chat GPT or like when Stream was launched, it's kind of like YouTube for the enterprise. Yes, but the big important but is, but it's done in a secure, safe fashion that is the same service level agreement that we have with the rest of Microsoft 365. I think it's a, a you know, hopefully an easy way to think about it, but really important when people get stuck on, but it's chat GPT and it's going to go wild into the end, you know, no, yeah. it's same technology, but oh. for a different purpose. Yeah, absolutely. I'm stealing that. You realize I'm still, <laughs> that's going to show up on my next speech. If I would have had that this morning, I would have used it on that <laughs> webinar I was on. Yeah. No, really important distinction there, you know, and the other thing is, I really think we have to realize that we are charting this new world together. 
and we will learn from each other. I, I think never has the community been more important as a, a functional learning environment where we can test ideas, we can test content, we can talk to each other and understand other people's experiences, right? There's there's no replacement for customer empathy um, to really understand how are people feeling when they're using this technology. When I see that thing, analyze my inbox and tell me the five emails I really need to pay attention to, I feel elated. I am happy. You've just reclaimed my day and actually taken away that anxiety because I make a joke about the fact that I don't read email, but I have re resolved myself to whatever comes, whatever asteroid hits my desk because I didn't see it in the email. But if Copilot can take that stress away from me, then I've improved my employee, employee experience. So I really want us to lean into like the emotional balance of using these things and how we think about its impact on employees. I, I hope that we do that. At least that I really want to do that because I've seen enough fatigued workers um, for all of my life now, right? And I'm really focused on how can we reduce fatigue, whether it's video fatigue or change, you know, uh, context switching fatigue, whatever kind it may be. Mm -hmm. if, if this can help people, like really help them, then I'm all in. Carolina, you have uh, done something no one else could do, and that's make me feel better about Mike's inbox. Okay, good. <laughs> now you can follow. <laughs> Copilot can do it. I'm telling you, it's, it's not out there in the world yet, but it's coming. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing the way it analyzes yeah. an inbox with all those things. But your inbox has to be in the cloud. This goes back to that technical preparation work that we all need to do. Yeah. So. And I think that'll kind of relate back to the, the goodness of if it's in the cloud, you know, you'll get this benefit. But also some of the little nuances of what you need to do to take advantage of it. The one that I've seen and I actually used the last two days very explicitly was in a Teams meeting, These my team has been doing virtual offsite, but we spread it over three days, so three hours of each day. And just by nature of my, you know, kind of a personal calendar, I wasn't able to join until 30 minutes in for two of those days. First thing I did is I hit the co-pilot button and I said, meeting recap. And it did a wonderful job of giving me not a big recap, but a recap. And what's really nice is because it knows who's in the meeting, it knows all the content that was shared during the meeting, if I have access to it, and, and, and. And so what it actually writes as my recap has the right people's names, what they said, and summarizes it beautifully. And, and I did it two times without saying, hey, what have you guys been talking about? And stopping the meeting because, you know, it's my fault coming late. That's but amazing. I didn't feel behind and I did it during the meeting. And here's the last thing, because it was being recorded. So right. it's doing the captioning and the transcripting and all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, great experience. And really, for that use case, already it was working for me. Awesome. You know, you're bringing up a really good thing too, Mark. And I do want people to understand that there's going to be co-pilot features that come as a part of your E3 or E5 license. And then there's intelligence that is built into Microsoft Teams Premium. And there are differences in what those two things are. I think that's one of the cheat sheets that we need to build on the new Teams microsite or whatever. We don't have that yet. Um, but I was just reading about that this morning. And so 
will help to clarify that with customers because some things are because we all have Teams Premium and some things are because we're testing Copilot and when the dust settles, there'll be a clear kind of use case for each one. And I, I really think that personas will be important. Like what your executive office staff needs and what your, your frontline worker need are going to be two different things and likely different license combinations. So it'll be something to help customers understand. Love it. I, I think we can take this conversation and keep going on and on and on, but I want to be respectful for everyone's time here. Uh, really don't want to stop it, but we, we really have to, you know, respect your time as well. Uh, it has been wonderful. Really, really great, great conversation. Uh, great having you here. I really loved all the inputs, uh, whether on the community side or the product side. And we had only probably about 40 minutes, 35, 40 minutes to cover this, but it's it's so much to cover. So I'm pretty sure we're going to hit you again and uh, and uh, invite you to talk in details about each one of them. But uh, for now, I think we can leave it at that. And uh, thank you again uh, for sharing your uh, your time with us to celebrate with us our 100 and, uh, 100 episodes. And hopefully we'll talk to you again. Thank Sounds you, everybody. Great. Thank you. Thank Congratulations you. again on 100. Yeah, great really big deal. Wonderful work. Thank you so much. Thank you.